Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Thank you so much. I appreciate the music, of course, today and the songs we've been singing about goodness and connected with fathers. And today as of course, Father's Day. And I am so thankful that I have a church home and that uh, the spiritual leaders of my life were the men in this church, some of them who are still here today, who I consider my spiritual fathers. And it's just a good, it's good to be part of a community of faith. It's good to watch you as you interact with your children. And uh, even this morning as I was walking down and trainer was interacting with his kids coming down the the aisle here, and, and uh, his grandfather was an important person in my life as a father figure. And to have this community of faith and a place where we can share this, it's very good. I'm not going to let um, Sean and Kevin off the hook that easy, though, about these names and pronouncing names. Uh, Sean is from Wisconsin. Kevin from Michigan. I have spent time in the Midwest. I have deep roots in Wisconsin on my mom's side of the family. Uh, Waukesha, Menominee, Wausau, Chippewa, Muskegon, Sheboygan. Alright, so don't let them off the hook that easy with these Native American names here. It doesn't, doesn't work. <clears throat> this morning we're going to celebrate communion together. And if you're visiting with us today, and maybe this is your first time to be with us when we share communion, I just want you to know that uh, this is for the family of God. This is not for the members of our church or, you know, regular. This is for anybody who knows Jesus Christ as Savior. If you know Christ as your Savior, you're a part of the church, the body of Christ. That's the church that matters the most. And if you are a member of the body of Christ, you are welcome to share with us the bread and the cup. In a few moments, I'll ask the uh, elders to come and they will share the cup with you, the bread with you first, and then the cup. And you are welcome to share with us. If you do not know Christ as Savior, I think this would be a good point uh, just to stop and say I wouldn't. I don't want anybody to leave this place today without knowing how much God loves you. We have sung this morning about the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ, God Himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He came to earth. He died for you because He loves you and He paid for your sins. And He offers you eternal life if you will simply, through faith, accept His payment for your sins. Maybe you've heard that message before. And you've never made that choice, a choice you have to make. And I encourage you today, right now, say yes to God. Accept Christ as your Savior. Receive forgiveness for sins. And share with us as we share the Lord's Supper together. Heavenly Father, as we open your word for a few moments, as we share the cup and the bread together, uh, please remind us of your presence with us and the fact that you love us so much, you died for us. We pray that uh, today we will just lift our hearts to you. We welcome you to this service. Thank you for the songs we've sung, the worship we've shared in. We continue to worship you now through the word and through the communion this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Every time we share communion, at some point in the service, I will generally read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is where the Apostle Paul specifically says to the church, the body of Christ, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night 
he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, until he returns again. Actually, this most likely, according to most Bible scholars, is probably the earliest recording of this Lord's Supper. Because although we have the Gospels first in our Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, most Bible scholars believe that they were written and distributed later by the authors, by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but that this was probably the earliest distribution. Paul's letters appeared to be collected and sent out as a unit, as a group, probably earlier than any other New Testament books were really circulating among the early church. So for many of the churches, like at Corinth, this may have been the first time they actually received this in writing. This is very important. So we read this when we share communion together. I always read from this passage. But it's interesting. I thought about this as so often with passages that we know well. We sometimes pull them out of their context and read them because they're appropriate. But this instruction regarding what we call the Lord's table or the Lord's supper, communion, is in a context. And I wanted to point out this context to you this morning and If you have read Corinthians before, and if not, I would, of course, encourage you to read it, you will find rather quickly that when Paul writes this letter and sends it to the church at Corinth, that he has been there. Paul spent 18 months at Corinth and really founded that church and shepherded it. And then he had to leave. He writes back to them because they have several issues and problems going on in their church. You know, we've we've sung this morning about life and about our brokenness and our need for the Lord to take our lives apart and to put it back together. We all understand this. We're human. We're not perfect. Nobody here, from me, the leaders, the elders, to everyone here, we are not perfect. We are all very human, aren't we? We are saved sinners by God's grace. And this early church, you know, many people say, well, if we can only get back to being what the early church was, well, This early church had a lot of serious issues. And the book of Corinthians basically deals with one issue after another. And it's interesting in this context that we begin really in verse 17. Paul says here, In the following directives, I have no praise for you. He has to write this as their spiritual father. He founded this church. He is their spiritual father. He is very important to them. But he says, I'm sorry, but I I have no praise for you for your meetings when you gather together. For your meetings do more harm than good. That would be a sad thing, wouldn't it, today to say, you know, we came to church, we gathered today, and when you leave this place today, you say, you know what, I'm worse off than when I came. This this being with these people, brains made me worse than when when I came. This is what he's saying. So you get together. And frankly, he says, you're doing more harm than good when you gather together. Now, I want you to think in terms of this first century context. 
These people, this, this is a mix of Jew and Gentile. We know that from reading the book of Acts, where the church was founded. It was an interesting mix of Jews with this strong Jewish um, practice of adherence to the Mosaic law, of high ethical and moral standards, as we know we read about. And then you have these pagans, many who came from absolute pagan, really, debauchery in terms of their religious practice. I don't want to go into details this morning, but it was. And they, and they came together and formed this new community of faith, the church, the body of Christ. And as they came together, though, this, they, they, they met on the first day of the week. We meet on the first day of the week. This is our Sabbath. Why? Because the first day of the week is Resurrection Sunday. This is the day the Lord rose from the dead, so the early church quickly began meeting on the first day of the week because that was the day he rose from the dead. In the Roman world and in the Roman Greek world that they lived in, it was a working day. It was not a day off. Um, it's rapidly not becoming a day off here, right? Okay. But I can remember when it was, I can remember when the, when 7-Eleven opened in our neighborhood for the first time, I could actually go on Sunday and buy a candy bar. Okay. So our culture's changed. But it was a working day. It was a day of commerce. So they gathered at night. And when they gathered at night, they gathered around a meal. They came and they had supper together and they stayed for several hours and they had their fellowship and they had their sharing and their praise and they worshiped. They gathered around the scriptures. They would be the Old Testament scriptures that were at the synagogue, but it was in their hearts. The Jews brought it with them from their hearts and in their minds and shared them. And Paul began to write these. And you can imagine the joy of these people who have nothing when all of a sudden this letter from Paul shows up with instruction from the Lord. And so they gathered for these things. But Paul says, listen, it's, 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 it's harmful. And here's why. Now imagine this. You know, we have church potlucks, right? You all know what a potluck is. It's kind of a funny name, isn't it? I mean, think about it, you know. We don't generally think of a lot of luck involved, you know, when you come for church. <laughs> Hopefully, there have been a few times, uh, like when Pastor Tom made the beans one night and put five times the pepper because he was helping his wife out. Um, that was that was bad luck, okay? But we call them potlucks. Um, you know what we mean, though. We have we mean everybody brings something and we share together with the meal. We do that. We'll do this the first Sunday of the month in Sunday school for our peer Sunday. You'll all bring things and we'll share it, okay? So they get together, and Paul says, "I hear that when you come together, verse 18, as a church, as an ecclesia, as a called out assembly." There are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. Paul says, I've heard this, and I think I believe this. No doubt, there has to be differences among you, which actually the word here is, is heresies, and this will be a study for another time. I don't think he's so much talking doctrinal heresies. He might be. There's different views on this. But we'll, we'll come back to this at another time. Paul says, no doubt, there has to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. But here's the problem. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. And he's not just talking about the bread and the cup. He's talking about this communal potluck, this supper. They gather together as a community of faith to share their fellowship. I mean, think of this. Can you imagine this? He says, it's not the Lord's Supper. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry. Another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat in, drink in? 
So, I mean, think of this. Here's the picture. This early church gathers for their, their church service. This was their church service. And it included a meal. Can you imagine if, if you came to a, to a, to a church potluck, a church dinner? If we have, we have plenty of them throughout the year, okay? Missions conference. Let's say the next missions conference. We come together for, for dinner, for spaghetti dinner. It's not potluck, but we come together. And people are just gorging themselves, drinking, getting drunk. I mean, the thing is just chaos. And, and, and it's just like, I mean, can you imagine that? I've never been in that situation in the church where it's just like this chaotic, drunken feast and gorging and pigging out, we would say, right? I mean, it's just like bizarre to even think of. But that's what's going on. And Paul says, you get together, and I hear this is what's happening at you, with, when you're getting together for the Lord's Supper, to gather and to worship and fellowship. What is going on? There's divisions there. What's happening? And this is so odd to even think of. And But the key is, he tells us what the problem is. And this, this is the run-up to the instructions on the Lord's Supper. And here's the problem. It's right here. Here's the key. You go back to where I stopped reading, verse 22. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. So here's the key. Obviously, what is happening here is, early on in this church fellowship, there are divisions, and these divisions appear to be along the lines of of money and wealth. He says, and so we put the put the pieces together. Many have to speculate now, and we don't know for sure, but. But it seems to be, but the indication is, you're getting together and you are embarrassing and humiliating those who are poor among you. Remember, this church is made up of people from the upper class and servants and slaves. In fact, a lot of the early, we know that a lot of servants and slaves came to Christ as, as, as Savior. And so clearly, if this is the case, what probably is happening is the rich and those who can afford it and maybe they brought more and could afford to bring. I mean, what, what could a servant bring? And they are saying, okay, you guys didn't bring something, so you, you, you know, you sit over here, and we're over here, and we're eating, and we're drinking the expensive stuff, and we're eating the expensive food, and you're humiliating the poor. You're making these divisions by humiliating. You're creating this division in your church. And it appears to be over social, class, ethnic lines, that, that, that you are doing this. And Paul says, don't you, you can do this at home, eat in your own home, but when you come together, don't do this to the poor. Don't humiliate people. Don't create these divisions. You know, it reminds me, we're talking about Wisconsin. I can remember when we went to visit Teresa's aunt and uncle lived in Wausau, Wisconsin, in central Wisconsin, which is just miles away from where uh, Sean's from. And uh, they actually were neighbors almost in the area. And I remember they took us out to dinner one night. And we went to a supper club. Have you ever been to a supper club? It's a Midwest thing. We went to a supper club. I thought, wow, Jesus, that uncle belonged to a supper club. You know, this sounds this sounds pretty exclusive, doesn't it? A supper club? Like, I mean, you know, I I belong to the boys and girls club, and right, and I had to pay to be part of the boys and bro- girls club, uh, boys club in those days. Sorry. Anyway, it was a supper club. Well, it was just a restaurant. <laughs> it's just a restaurant. And it's called the Supper Club. And you drive around Wisconsin and a few places in Minnesota, 
you'll see Supper Club. I think it's less and less now. What is this? Well, it's just a restaurant. But it sounds pretty exclusive, right? In fact, some history of it, there are those who believe it actually was a person from Wisconsin who started the first one in Beverly Hills. I don't know for sure, but a guy from the Chicago Times, the, the food critic in the Chicago Times, wrote, a, a, wrote about this some years ago and, and about the confusion about this. What's a supper club? And he says, fine, he says, I am no Wisconsinite, nor do I pretend to be anything but a keen outsider, but here's my humble attempt at defining a supper club. A Wisconsin supper club is an independently owned, fine dining destina- destination restaurant. That was the idea. Typically in a picturesque locale on the edge of town, exactly where we went in, in Wausau, to the edge of town. The menu comes from yesteryear, void of pretense, and decidedly not frou-frou. Seattle, okay, we get here. Prime rib, broiled white fish, shrimp cocktail with enough complimentary sides and trimmings to satisfy a second meal. A relish tray should begin the meal three hours later. It is bookend with house-made bread, pudding, or cheesecake. On Fridays, they should serve an all-you-can-eat fish fry. There might be a band playing, but if you leave hungry, you have not dined in a supper club. Okay? And I thought about that. That's what the church dinner should have been like. Right? When they got together, they should have all gone home after three hours of fellowship. They have all eaten. They have shared a casual meal of home-cooked, home food. But instead, what appears to be happening is my mental image of a supper club. This exclusive place that you have to be a member and you get to eat at. That's what appears to be going on. And so listen, friends, that is the context. That is the background where then Paul says right after this, he says, shall I praise you? Certainly not. Why? For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He takes a cup. He shares it and says, This is the cup, remembrance of my blood. What what is the connection? What is the connection between this, this dysfunctional meal where the poor are being humiliated and what he gives us that we read every time we come together? The connection is he brings him back to what matters most. This, this, this communion celebration. We do this in our church on a regular basis. It's something we do a certain way. We have very little liturgy in this church, but this is something we do in a regular way. And I don't know about you, but it, it, it brings us, it, the, the purpose is to bring us back to the focus. What really matters? It's the unity that Jesus Christ brings us. He took the bread. He broke it evenly. Each disciple got the exact same amount. They came from different classes of culture. They came from different backgrounds. Some were richer than others. They had their problems. They had a mother at one time who said, could my son sit on your right and left hand? He came down from the, from the, from the Mount of Transfiguration and found his disciples arguing over who was the greatest. This was a reminder to them. They each got the same amount. They got it from Jesus Christ, who was fully God. And yet, 
became the lowliest servant to serve them. You see the connection? Paul says, you, you, what's going on here? Where are these divisions coming from? This is not a matter of rich and poor, free and slave, Jew and Gentile, male and female, upper and lower. This is something to remind them. You are all the same. You are equal before God through Jesus Christ. You are servants. You are only here by the grace of God. On that night, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to them equally. And friends, as we come now and share this bread together first, I want to remind you. And you need to think, you need to think a little bigger beyond this, this beautiful facility God has given us. This is the time to remember we are part of something so much bigger than just us. We are part of the body of Christ. We are part of the worldwide church. And this very Lord's Day, many places it's done for the day. Some places it's yet to happen. People are gathering all over the world. Some in absolute poverty. Some in great danger. Some in much more beautiful places than this. But they are gathering together and they are breaking the bread and nobody is greater or lesser than anybody else. We are one. And this should bring us back to what matters. What matters in your life? All the things that are on your heart today, and I know there are many things. I, I know this. I know you. I know the congregation. I know that. I know that. But it's good for us to just take a quiet moment and re- focus to what really matters. We do this, Paul specifically says, to remember what? His death. His death. It's to remind these people at Corinth in this chaos and in these divisions, wait a minute, he died for every one of you as a servant of God. Therefore, as we read this morning, be humble, be gentle, be merciful, for we are all servants of God. And you know what matters the most? Is the other person. Not you and not I. Not me. This is what God has called us to. And I'm going to ask the elders to come and we're going to share the bread this morning. We're going to pass it to you and ask you just take a piece. And as you take the piece, we just hold it and just Give God thanks that you are part of something so much bigger that you, that you don't deserve. Nobody deserves it less than me and less than you. And you know that and I know that. And, and take this bread and remember what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. And we will eat together in a moment. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks... He broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat the bread together. Lord, we thank you that this little piece of bread is just a reminder today of the sacrifice made equally for all of us that we can share in your church the body of Christ as fellow members, as brothers and sisters in this family to love you, to serve you, and to walk with you. In his name I pray.
We're going to share the cup. If you'll just hold the cup for just a moment, and then we will drink the cup together as well. God is good. Amen? I know we look pretty formal up here, and but I get to, uh, quit laughing you guys, I get to sit here and watch them in back there, and uh, they're all back there snickering and laughing, trying to figure out who left the tray out there, you know, and, uh, and then Keith comes down laughing at me, okay, what's the deal, you know. <laughs> it's fun being pastor of your home church. Can you imagine that? And I got guys like Al Lone and Dwayne Oberg, who I consider spiritual fathers to me. Sherwood Sage was my dorm father when I was a freshman in college back in Michigan. That's how old he is, you know? <laughs> Being pastor, I raised my kids here. I raised my grandkids here. I was talking to my granddaughter with some of her friends in the hallway this morning. And, uh, of course, the other kids, you know, it's pretty formal talking to the pastor. And I said, and I said to my granddaughter, how are you? How are you today? Fine, thank you. And how are you? <laughs> That's the same little girl. If I said, Sadie, how are you today? Or how she go? Like that to me, you know. <laughs> fathers and grandfathers. It's Father's Day. And I haven't so much spoken on Father's Day today, but I just want to ask you, we've come today to be reminded of what's most important. And what can you do for your families? What can we do for our families? The Bible does call us to be the spiritual leaders of our family. We believe that. The Bible says that. Um, my father was gone when I was pretty young. My mom was a widow, so she had to take that role. But she did the right thing. She did the right thing. She made sure I had every opportunity to be at a place where I was loved, where there were men around me who cared about me and modeled to me, not perfection, but they modeled what it meant to put God first. And I just want to, as we come in and drink this cup, I just want to remind you today and remind myself as grandfather and as father, what's the best thing we can do? What is the best thing we can do? Friends, the best thing we can do is to, is to lead our families by modeling for them that we love God. We don't always act like it, but we love God. We love the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to place our families in a situation where they can be nurtured. We want to put them in a community of faith where they are loved and they are cared for. We want to live in our homes and show them they're not, they're not, our kids aren't stupid. They're not expecting us to be perfect. But they do have a right to expect that we model for them that God means something to us and our families. And you need to put him first. No matter what's going on in your life, you can do that today. We, re- we receive this cup this morning as a humble reminder for me, for our leaders, for all of you today. But the Apostle Paul says, after the cup, after the bread, he took the cup. This is the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together and proclaim we really believe that. We really do believe that. And we want our lives to reflect the love 
of our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. Let us drink together and hold a cup for a moment of quiet prayer. Father, this has been a time to just remember. We do this in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. We eat the bread to remember His body was broken for us. His cup we have drunk together to remind us His blood was spilled for us. He is the one who came to serve us. And He has called us to serve. And I pray, Father, that we as fathers and grandfathers are here today that we would remember that as spiritual leaders we are called first to be the humblest of servants and to walk and live as you did. This cup is empty. And it reminds us of the empty tomb and the power of your love over death and darkness that enables us to live for you. In Christ, our Savior's name, we have gathered and we ask these things. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming today. When I say that, that's just not a throwaway line. Uh, I really mean it because it's a wonderful ministry for you to be here today to encourage one another and share this time together. So God bless you. God bless all you fathers and grandfathers on this day. May you have a wonderful day. And let's close our service in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your love for us, your amazing love, your kindness. We've sung about your goodness today. You have been, you are, and you will be for all eternity good to us. Because you loved us, you've chosen to love us, and our Savior Jesus Christ chose to come, die for us, rise from the dead, and open the way to eternity, hope of resurrection, forgiveness for sins, life eternal, and joy serving you for all eternity. We have every reason today, Lord, to be thankful and blessed, and for that reason we leave this place rejoicing in Christ our Savior's name. Amen.